<laughs> Why do we have caught a fly? <laughs> Sorry, I need my water. <laughs> I like it. Welcome back to Design Dad's podcast. We have an extra special dad here, uh, Joel Embiid, a.k.a. Dan Mall. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks. That's the first and only time anybody will always say Joel Embiid, a.k.a. Dan Mall. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad we're all in our basketball jerseys represent yeah for our, for those uh who probably will not see the the video of this but i do like to capture video i i am the third best center in the league right now uh Demontis sabonis uh, we got china's or uh, taiwan's best point guard in, in in the world jeremy lin over here i'm uh i'm juan sachan again um i'm representing jeremy lin and the new york knicks here i did buy this jersey during the height of linsanity when it was very rare right next to um, uh, Grand Central in New York City. So I know that I went through a lot just to get this jersey. Uh, the best visual of the jerseys is like Juan has the old school style Adidas jersey that has like, that goes over the shoulder, like Allen Iverson style, right? That's right. That was the, uh, that was the era. Yeah. So Dan, Dan Mall is very uh, popular in, uh, in our, my, my professional realm in, in design systems, but recently just launched great job uh, podcast uh, with with your wife, Emily. And uh, that's been certainly an inspiration for myself as a parent, uh, but also a uh, fellow uh, father podcaster, podfather. Podfather. Yeah. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> uh, apropos for a, for a dad podcast, lots of dad yeah. jokes here. Yeah. We just got to keep, keep riffing on the, on the dad jokes. Uh, and in, in, in the professional world, also Dan has a new book called uh, Design That Scales, where you could find on uh, Rosenfeld Media's website. Uh, we could link that uh, in, the, in the notes below, too. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. Um, the, the Great Job podcast is a thing that we are super excited about. A new episode just launched today where we talked about um, the role of technology companies in society and how they are or aren't shaping our kids well and what role we as parents have versus what role tech companies have, which as you can imagine, I had a lot to say about. I bet you guys have a lot to say about as well and, and think about. So I love that intersection of tech and parenting and because this is where we are. Yeah, the tech one, I remember like Juan had prompted me right before the podcast just to be uh, coming from us working at our uh, respective companies, Juan at YouTube and me at Meta. We, we were a little more uh, hands off about our point of view on uh, specific uh, aspects of that, uh, just due to the fact that I uh, didn't want to uh, get in trouble or get slapped on the hand. <laughs> so. Oh, totally. I, I can say things freely because I don't have the, I don't have those constraints. So, but I totally, totally get it. Yeah, we have the Scott Fosters of the world like breathing down our neck, so we don't want to like ruffle any feathers. <laughs> Fair. And then just yesterday, my um, we took my kid to my four year old's uh, checkup at the doctor's office, and in the follow up notes email that happened afterwards, there was a, a big reminder there from our doctor to minimize screen time on our kid. Uh, that is something that we're more conscious of. Our doctors keep reiterating it. It'll be an ongoing thing of uh, minimizing screen time for our kids, but also for us as parents, we are we are looking to uh, minimize it uh, for ourselves as well. So, I mean, it's hard to it's, how are our kids going to be able to do it if we can't do it, right? So, like, I think there's a lot to say in the fact. I think I don't know if there's a rumor or not, but Steve Jobs didn't let his kids have iPads, and it's like, well, there's probably something about that, you know, that that's interesting and worth digging into. And we've got to have good habits if we want our kids to have good habits, which is certainly easier said than done. It's so tough. Like yeah, that on our second, this is, this will be our third episode on our second episode. Juan and I went into screen time and our kids are, 
younger in age, so four, and, and I have one that's uh, one years old. And Dan's kids are in the in the tens and yeah, twelve and ten. Twelve, yeah. yeah, the tens pivotals, as you may call it on your on your podcast. Uh, how do you handle uh, devices at, at that age? That's always been something that I've been curious about uh, and been sort of like thinking and, and fearing that day once they get to the the tens. You know, it's a thing that my wife and I have been talking about for a long time. And then it's like, I, I felt like we were prepared. And then all of a sudden it's here, right? And now it's like, oh, we're already behind. Just this week, um, we gave my oldest daughter, my 12 my year old, uh, a Apple watch. Um, so she doesn't have a phone. All of her friends have iPhones. We're still a little bit like, uh, I don't know about all that. But so we're trying with a watch because this is the first year that she's at a new school that she bikes to. Um, so normally, we, you know, she would get on the bus and we'd walk her to the bus stop or she'd walk to the bus stop on her own. But now it's like she's biking to school. She's staying for after school activities. So it's like there are times where she needs to get in, in touch with us. We tried out a flip phone last year. So we gave her a flip phone. Um, but I think it was just a thing like she used it every once in a while, but then she'd forget to charge it and it'd be dead, you know, when she got to school. And like then she'd be calling us from her friends phones and all that kind of stuff. So I think there is a difference between flip phone and iPhone. And so we're trying out Apple Watch right now just to be like, it's, you know, we'll get her to that. It's got it's it's my wife's old one. My wife upgraded to a new one. So she's get the old one. And um, and so we're trying it's got cellular so she can call us so we can call her. But but we're not quite ready for phone. And then all sorts of other dynamics around that too. Like, well, so then my 10 year old's like, well, when do I get a watch though? Big sis got a watch. Like, how about me? Uh, so it, it just opens up all of those things. And then we're like, oh, we're not ready for that. Like, I, I don't know what the answers are. Yeah, my, my uh, nephews were over for over the holidays as well. And they were staying at my, my parents' house that lived nearby. And when I would bring my son over to hang out with his nephews, my son would run straight to their iPad and start playing it right away. Instead of actually like, you know, playing with the nephews who are here from the East Coast. Uh, so I started seeing how my son, if he had his own iPad, he um, he's going to go crazy over it because he was playing all sorts of games on it. And he, he was able to figure it out on his own. He, he doesn't know how to fully read. He can he can read alphabets, but he doesn't know how to read instructions or read big headers on the screen. But he figured out how to play the games and what to do. Uh, so it's a very fast, challenging time for kids to be able to to do that. And compared to when we were younger, you know, it took us a, a bit more of a technology curve to understand it all. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like we're the we're the first generation of parents that have to deal with this kind of stuff, right? Like our parents didn't have to deal with like how what, what age do we get iPhones? Well, because it wasn't out then. So, um, so I think that we're we're like the first generation that is dealing with this, and there's no. You know, there's no instruction manual for us to do that. I mean, there are there's there's articles and there's things like that, but just but not a lot. And I think the studies are still coming out and there's still a lot of reading and learning and, and stuff like that to be done with it. But I think we're figuring this stuff out. So I like the the opportunity to kind of share this stuff with other people, other dads, other parents, other caregivers who are, you know, who are interested in that same topic and want to do right by their kids, but just don't know what the what the thing is. You know, what, like what are the decisions that we make about this, even though acknowledging it's important to us? And the Apple Watch is so interesting. Like I, my hypothesis about getting an Apple Watch is that it would uh, untether me from my phone. I found it to be quite the opposite. And I'll get a message, and like the shit's way too small to read on on here. Even though I bumped up the the text, but then I'm like, oh shit! Well, I got to respond to this again. Like uh, imagine like your your partner, your wife, uh, saying, uh, "What is that you're responding to?" It's like, oh well, I got to respond to this tweet. And like, how important is this, this tweet? I, I think in terms of utilizing the Apple watch, maybe being like for, for us as uh, caregivers and parents, utilizing it a little more, uh, 
I'd say intentionally versus just like uh, tweets or like uh, fantasy notifications. Like I, it's, it's, it's been amazing, uh, you know, for fantasy notifications and sports scores, but uh, uh, modeling, like, like you said, Dan, I think is something that's like, it's, it's been extremely difficult, especially because we, we also enjoy being on our phones and devices and, and, and checking into social media. Yeah, totally. I, I feel it too. I, I had for a long time, I was reticent to have an Apple watch because I was like, I don't want another notification machine. Like I, like I already, I was, I used to be very disciplined and like no notifications at all on my phone. The only notification I would have is from the Nike sneakers app and text messaging. And that was it. You know, those are the two. Um, and then little by little, like, oh, well, I'll have, notif- I'll turn on notifications for this and then for Twitter and then for that thing and this other thing. And then, then I got to watch under the guise of like, it will help with fitness stuff. Like I could track my basketball workouts and which I do, but it just kind of opened that door. And now if I look at my phone, it's like a ton of notifications. So I was like, oh, right. I got to, I got to recalibrate that again. I got to go back to a place where I'm not constantly looking at my wrist or looking at my phone, because if I'm doing that, of course, my kids are going to see that and go like, I guess that's natural. And, and they're going to do that too. So the modeling part is, is really hard in the, in, in our podcast that my wife made a really good analogy that like the, the way that I think about iPhones and, and phones is like, it's like a power tool. And my wife kind of heard that her analogy is like, it's like a car. Like we make kids get permits and drive with an adult for a long time because you now have access to a powerful machine that is amazing and can take you to amazing places and also can kill a person, including yourself. So that's how we handle that thing. For my, my analogy was it's like a power tool. It's like a circular saw or whatever. That's like, you can make amazing things with this thing and you can make amazing things with an iPhone or with an iPad. You can like my kids draw and they architect and they build and they, you know, and they, and also you can just veg out on Netflix all day too. Right. So it's like, it is a thing like we, we need training, you know, sometimes for how to do, we need training as parents to figure this out. And our kids, I think need to be trained, not just like, here's a device, figure it out. Um, I think that we see that a lot of times as like a, a value because that's how a lot of us learn. That's how I learned. My dad was like, here's a computer, figure out how to use it. When I was a kid, I was like, cool, I figured it out. And now I can do this for a living. And we see that as a good thing. But I think, you know, a little bit more reins around that, I think is useful. And you mentioned your, your kids are in their ages where they have to call you and, you know, say, can you pick us up from after school or can you pick us up at the movie theater? You know, I grew up in an age where, I would have to page my mom on a, on a payphone and say, when it would, when it would ask, who are you trying to page? I would say, mom, p- pick me up from school, please. And then close the payphone. <laughs> um, but I want, I could imagine when my kids are at your age, I would want them to have some sort of device to be able to reach me at any time, especially around pickups or if we drop them off at the mall, if malls are, sh- are still around, uh, when my kid gets uh, older, um, I want it to be able to reach me. And have that capability to know that I can pick them up or if they run into a situation after school and they, they need to get a hold of me, I want them to have that, that reach. But I also don't want them to have that uh, first instinct that when they're bored, they go to their phone right away. I would love for them to be able to experience playing outside, going to, going to play in the forest or play sports uh, and not rely on uh, their devices as their first way to, to not be bored. Yeah, one of the one of the guidelines that we have that's like I think working fairly well um, so far is for as much time as you spend consuming on your device, you have to be creating on that device too. So I think I forget where I heard that, but I was like, oh, I like that, and I'll steal that. Um, and so my kids are pretty good about that. So I think the other thing that comes with that is that we cut, we limit screen time as much as we can. Sometimes it gets it gets out of hand, you know, and then sometimes and then we got to dial it back again. And this is why we have 
monthly family meetings and then things like that to kind of like recalibrate often. But, um, you know, if you spend an hour consuming this week, you should probably spend an hour creating. And so my kids are pretty good about that, that like, you know, they'll, they'll download like a, a piano app where they can learn piano. You know, I'm like, all right, that's cool. Like I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, so that's a, th- that's a, like a concept that I think the older they get, they're starting to internalize that as well. You know, my kids are, one of my kids is learning procreate, you know, and trying to like learn how to draw and stuff like that. And I'm happy to support that kind of stuff. It's expensive, but it's like, all right, I got to buy another Apple pencil. Here we go. <laughs> like, so it's expensive to support that, but I'm, I'm not mad at that part. Cause I think that's the, that is the power of devices is that, you know, we have supercomputers in our pockets that, that are, that have more Ram than the space shuttles that took people to the moon. Right. It's like that, that, is a superpower and we should be able to take advantage of that. But it's too hard to just be like, here's a device that has unlimited capacity, do whatever you want person who has not fully developed their, you know, their amygdala yet. Like, go ahead go for it. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of danger that comes with that too. So it's hard to, I don't know. It's hard to calibrate. Yeah. uh, Tell us a little bit more about the monthly meeting. I love the, the idea of using that as a method of communication. And like even for myself and my wife, we have a, a shared calendar. So very similar to the shit that we're doing at work, but it works. So yeah, I wanted to hear more about the monthly meeting. Yeah, sure. So we call it MFP. Um, it started as the mall family party. Uh, my, my name is Dan mall. So the, it's a mall family party, you know, my wife, my kids, um, and the reason that we call it a party is years ago, I saw this sign outside of a bakery and it said, a party without cake is just a meeting. That's a Julia Child quote. <laughs> and so I actually used to use that at work where like, I didn't want to have boring meetings with my team. So I would encourage everybody, hey, everybody, let's bring a cake you know, or a or dessert or something because now we turn our, our meetings into parties. And so I've kind of carried that over into our family meetings where we have monthly family parties. And the point of all of those, those monthly family parties is, um, I start it the same way that I start every work meeting with like, what's the point of this meeting? Well, what's the agenda? What are we doing? Why, what are we here for? And as just as a reminder of like what we did last time and the way that I, I started and the way that we started is, um, I remind all of us that the reason that we're doing our monthly family meetings is to make sure that we are living our best life together. Like that's what it's for. Like that's the purpose of it. It's not, uh, and what, what, where we sort of like, had some missteps that we had to correct was after a cup, the first couple, my kids were dreading them. And so we asked them like, why are you dreading them? And they're like, well, because it just turns into a meeting where you yell at us for stuff that we are not doing around the house. And it was like, right, it is turning into that. Okay. So we need to dial that back. We need to be cognizant of like, it can't just be a thing where we're like, clean your room. You're not cleaning your room enough. You're not, you know, washing dishes enough. Like it can't be that some of that has got to be in there, but how do we balance it in talking about the things that are important to us? So it's a, it's a ritual that we, we do. Um, we started doing it at the, the beginning of every month, the first Sunday of every month, spend an hour the day before we'll go get like a cookie or a dessert or something that we could each bring, you know, kind of have, and, and then everybody gets an agenda item. And what I've learned is there is, um, there's a whole set of other rituals and things that you can do outside of that. So the day before I print out a worksheet that I made, cause I'm a designer and I'm an, I'm a nerd, you know, like I print out a worksheet that I designed that I give to the kids that says like, you know, think about the things and it's got a couple prompts on it. Think about the things that you want to talk about tomorrow, things that are important to you. And that brings up all sorts of stuff that brings up like, oh, I want to take, you know, uh, piano lessons or, or like I want to do this class or I want to go to this person's house this week. And like, so the things that they're looking forward to. And so we've started to support some of those things where now I, I also have another worksheet that's called Weekly Tops, where every Sunday I print it out and I go, just write the top thing that you're looking forward to this week. And we hang it up in the house, you know, and so we could always reference that and encourage each other 
on those sort of things. And so I think for a lot of people, it's like, that's a lot of rigor <laughs> to put around this. But I'm like, I mean, I do it at work with my teams because I want my teams to perform well. Like, why wouldn't I do that with my family? Because I want my family to live a good life. You know, if so, we're still figuring out, I think, where those things are too much, where it's just like, it's a lot of process. And then where it's like, oh, this is actually helpful for us to figure out how to be closer as a, as a unit. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the even the the idea of like I see some sort of like uh, threading the needle a little bit. The idea of sort of teasing out goals uh, for for kids and it, the the goal may not be like a professional goal like us, but maybe their goal is I want to attend gymnastics class, uh, but they haven't been able to vocalize that. Or we we just in the myriad of just our our work and uh, you know personal lives, there wasn't the time to have that conversation. So I love the idea of the the monthly meeting. I've been trying to. Uh, do something similar uh, for us. Uh, and like, I think there's a myriad of things like for, for parents to talk about, whether it's like, where do you want to go this year? Or like, if we want to go over there, we got to get our passport. So I think that there's just like leaving the room uh, to, it may seem like, like you mentioned, Dan, like uh, it's a lot of rigor, but sometimes you just need half an hour to just sort of bring some of this, like some of this stuff up. And especially for, for kids, like Juan and I are at the the age where, our kids are at the age where I think they're they're able to communicate what they what they want to do. So like if they say, oh, I don't want to do baseball anymore. I want to do this other thing. Then we sort of figure out how we could uh, get out of that and then get into the new thing. Yeah, totally. It, the One of the things that I'm learning is that like I'm really good at setting goals at work. Like I, I create KPIs and metrics and, you know, all these things for teams. And so I have my own goals for the year. And when we did our, our last uh, family meeting, my kids' goals, I was very inspired by them. And I was like, I actually want to have goals closer to that. Like well, my, my younger daughter, my 10-year-old, one of her goals is she's in gymnastics class and she wants to learn how to do a front walkover this year. That's her goal. And I'm like, yo, that's a cool goal. Like I, I, I want to have a goal like that because all of my goals are like make this amount of money or get this many followers or like, I'm like, man, my, my goals are boring now. And I'm, so I, like, I'm able to learn from my kids just in the simplicity and the clarity and the, some of the things that they have. And that's the other thing that is like really cool about it is that they get to do stuff that we learn from. It's not always like we're teaching them all this stuff. Like that's part of it. But I think it gives them the ability to have their own voice and figure out what their own things are that we could all support. And then, you know, and then the other thing is we struggled for a while around like switching things all the time. Like, Oh, I want to do gymnastics class. And then a week later, I want to do singing lessons. And then a week later, I want it's like, so we've had to develop kind of our own family structure around that, which was that we try things for a quarter. We try things for three months. And the point of trying a thing is to stick it out all the way through. And then after that, we'll reassess and you get to try another thing. So every year we get to try four things, right? Each person gets to try four things. And this last family meeting, we talked a lot like in depth about quitting things and when is the appropriate time to quit a thing. And that was a hard conversation to have because I'm like, what do I even think about that, that topic in order to be able to have a conversation about it? So I think a lot of this is especially I, I love the ages that my kids are at right now because it gives us the opportunity to explore these things together and learn together in a way that's not just like mom and dad teaching you all this stuff. It's like we learn a lot from the kids as well. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm very grateful for that. That's so exciting for you to be talking about this because it's all things that I'm excited about. My We just signed up my four-year-old kid for T-ball and I'm about to be a coach yes. dad for the first time as well. Um, so I, I was going through documents this past weekend of, you know, uh, health documents, making sure that we're, we're abiding by the rules of little league associations around the community. There's a lot of documents there, but I, I am so excited to be able to hang out with my kid and also his friends are signing up for 
my team and we're, they're all going to be hanging out. So a bunch of four-year-old kids playing t-ball and they're all going to look so cute in their uniforms. But I am dreading the day where my kid might come up to me and say, I don't want to play baseball anymore. So I was curious, what have you um, experienced there? If your kid says they don't want to do something, but you have in your mind that like, you know, there's something about being, having perseverance and gutting through it a bit more. And then at some point you're going to have agree with their decision that they don't want to do something. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we as parents sometimes have short-term memory and I think that is a, a blessing, you know, it's like, I remember when, when we had our, our first kid, it was like, Oh, that's, that was hard. That was really hard, you know? And then at some point you're like, but I could do it again though. Right. So then we have a second kid. So it's like, we have short-term memory. So I don't, I don't remember as much when, when my kids were younger, like, hmm, how would I have dealt with this? What, how I deal with it now and, and how we work on it together is my kids are at the age where we can talk about a concept like resilience. And we could say, actually, you know what? I don't care that you're in baseball. I care that you're resilient. And they go, well, what does that mean? You know, and, and we can actually go, whatever the thing is, I want you to practice resilience in this thing. And you don't have to practice resilience in everything. So this particular thing that you're in is about that. And, and you know, back to the, the family meeting that we had this, this time, what we all decided was we're each going to pick a thing, you know, not just the kids, but mom and dad too. We're going to pick a thing where it's hard for us and we're going to stick it out. And we're going to pick another thing that is easy that we can quit anytime we want. Like that's what we're practicing together as a family. So for me, I'm like, I'm playing the Spider-Man video, Spider-Man 2 video game on PS5 right now. I'm like, that's a thing that I choose that's going to be easy for me. I'm going to play it on easy mode, story mode, and I'm not going to try and get better at that. So when it gets hard, I'm just going to quit. And it's going to be fine for me to quit. And there's going to be things that we get to have that it's like, I'm just going to walk away from this because I don't want to push through the, the, hard, the hardship of this. But then there's going to be some other things. It's like, I've committed to it. And when it gets hard, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to push through the dip and I'm going to try to like rebound on that. And I want each person in our family to have that. So each person in our family, we pick those things. This is my hard thing. This is my, my easy thing. And just by vocalizing that, we get to support each other in that because now I know, oh, now I know it's okay for my kid to quit this thing because we decided ahead of time that they were, it's fine if they quit. We, I also know that this is the one that I get to push them on because they've sort of given me the permission, you know, in air quotes to do that. Not quite, but like they've given me like, okay, this is the thing that I'm going to try to do. I'm not going to force them to do it, but I might encourage them a little bit di- more, a little bit differently on this thing that I'm, I am going to be in, in another thing. So you know, I, I like this age to be able to do that. I think at younger ages, it's harder to, you know, just deal with an abstract concept like resilience. But I think there's probably age appropriate ways to introduce that idea in, in ways that we can model, in ways that we can kind of prototype that then I think set them up. Because I think that's what we all want, at, you know, at some level too. It's like, I just want them to be adults and like not quit everything. And like when they're adults, I don't want them to be like entitled. I don't want them to be, to be quitters. I want them to be resilient. I want them to have good lives. And so we get to like prototype that, you know, at these, at these ages. Yeah, well, and I had the experience where we we took uh, my son to to soccer, and I think same as you, we coordinated it so there's his best friend was on the same soccer team. His best for my his best friend was only able to make it through the first course, which is around like eight weeks or so, and then he he bailed. So we tried to do it the second time, and had mixed feelings about it. He didn't really want to go, uh, especially since his friend wasn't there. Uh, we even tried to switch classes like the second time, like switch it around. Uh, but then after, let's see, it was like eight to 10, like 10 weeks or so, he didn't want to do it anymore. And then we decided, well, 
you don't seem to enjoy it. Uh, you know, you need to do it. You gave it, you gave it a try. You vocalize that you didn't, you didn't want to do it. Maybe it was like, it was also like around the summertime here. So it was like a hundred, like there's times where it's like a hundred, hundred five degrees in, in soccer. And, um, we just respected the decision and like, we're looking for something else to, to replace it. So like the, I love the idea of s- switching things like on a quarterly basis, uh, because there's just like for, uh, for us here, like in, in the Sacramento area, there's a plethora of things for kids to do. So like he's been into soccer, we tried basketball, but, uh, apparently a requirement for a four-year-old to play basketball is to be able to dribble and then hold the ball in the pocket. That was a little difficult for a four-year-old to talk for me. <laughs> Uh, so we'll come back to that. Uh, hopefully he'll play basketball, but maybe he won't. Maybe he'll get into swimming or maybe he'll get into gymnastics again. Like it's uh, all of those. Uh, the world is his oyster. And uh, hopefully we could uh, uh, be able to support that for him. I remember when my, my older daughter, when she was five, we, we enrolled her in soccer and her best friend was also on the team. And I remember one day sitting, it was like a second game, sitting on the sidelines. And she yelled to me, you know, for she's on the field. She yelled to me, hey, dad. And I'm looking at him. Yeah, what's up? And she's like pointing, she points all, all the way in the backfield. She goes, can I pick that flower? <laughs> I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know, and like, it's just multiple games of that. I'm like, clearly this is not a thing that she, you know, cares about what she cared about more. And you could see it. She just cared about running around with the other kids. You know, my older daughter is very extroverted. She likes, she's very social. She loved running around with the other kids more than she cared about soccer. You know, she didn't care about kicking the ball or scoring a goal. And of course, as a, as a dad, I'm like, Oh man, am I raising a quitter or am I raising somebody who's like, you know, all those thoughts and all those feelings come about. And in hindsight, what I can realize is like, we just needed time for her to find the, find the thing. That wasn't the thing. But in the moment, it's like, oh man, like, should I push her through this or should I stick through this? Or should I, you know, we didn't, we probably didn't make it four weeks, I don't think, you know? So like when I hear about your kid doing 10 weeks, I'm like, that's a long time to stick with something, you know, for a kid. Like, I think we made it three weeks and she was just like, I don't, you know, I don't even think that she could have said, I don't want to do this yet. But clearly not a thing that she was interested in. And so I definitely think there's something to like, gotta, you gotta be able to observe that and respect that and go another thing will manifest itself, you know, given enough time. On the topic of resilience. Um, so we signed up my, my then three-year-old, uh, to swimming lessons, uh, over the summer and it was 20 minutes a day for 10 straight days and no refunds. The instructor was very clear that it, it was going to be a very painful experience, not just for the kid, but for the parents as well. So the first six or seven days, my kid was crying when he was holding on to the bar because no, there weren't any tubes or anything to help them. The instructor was very clear that this was a survival, learn how to swim kind of method. Because if your kid falls into the pool, um, it, it, it it enables them to know to swim towards the edge of the pool to uh, get back to safety. I was, when I was a kid, I fell into the pool multiple times, me just jumping into the pool or sometimes just walking right into it. And my dad or somebody had to jump in with full clothes on and to, to save me. So I said, okay, to my wife that let's, let's give it a shot. But I did not expect that my kid and all the other kids there were going to be wailing and crying their eyes out while holding on to the bar and then basically oh, the instructor man. would pull them and uh, carry them and, and throw them back into the pool and they would learn how to swim. But what I experienced is by the seventh day, my kid was so confident that he could jump in, swim from the middle of the pool to the edge. And then eight, nine and 10, he was looking forward to going to swimming. But he was so scared of his swimming at the very beginning. Every morning he dreaded going and we had to 
bring him in while he was crying into the pool area. So that's where I really was figuring out in my head, like, what do we stop this? Or, and, and is he not ready for it yet? But then when I saw my kid uh, start swimming and jumping into the pool, it made me so proud as a parent. And that's where I felt like I was willing to be resilient here because I was tying it to some sort of survival instinct and some, some sort of learning that is going to benefit them for the rest of their lives. It's tough to know, like, cause you don't want to cause trauma to your kid either. Right. Like it's tough to know in the moment, like, is this something that I should pull them out of? Like, is it like as, as their parent, as their person who's supposed to be their safety, you know, their guardian, like, is this something that I should save them from or something that I should push them through? It's, it's very hard to, to choose in the moment. Yeah. I think sometimes also just in terms of these activities, we probably as parents give ourselves a hard time for either quitting or not pushing. And I think the the, even like you, you mentioned like the flowers thing. I saw that in our soccer class too, where kids picking up flowers, kids picking dirt, the grasses needs to be cut. Like a lot of different, like there's just a lot of simulation out there, but we got them out there and we're able to, to watch them, uh, whether they, they like it or not, they tried it so that now that we know maybe let's not try it again for like a few years until they like may, they might give us a better signal about it. What one of the things that we've learned in, in our in my family, and a lot of this comes from my wife. My wife is like the person who tries the most things of anybody that I've ever met, and like it's really cool because she's always willing to try stuff. And so that's like become a, a thing in our family that like we try things. You know, we don't have to try them forever. We want to give them a proper try, and that's like every you know as as micro as like we try new foods. You know, like we we try it for a bite. You don't have to finish your plate if you don't like it, but we don't turn it away. Because, you know, if we haven't tried it, and so I think that's become like a family value of ours. Is like that's a thing that we do in our family. It might not be right for other families. That's a thing that's right for us. And so my kids have embraced that because that's the thing that we do together. Um, and so I think like that's the way that we've been able to to like sort that is like we just try stuff. We don't have to like it. Trying it is how you know whether you like it. Trying it is how you know if you want to do more of it or you want to do less of it. So there are things that my kids now, now at at 10 and 12, you know, it was harder when they were whatever, four and two, but at 10 and 12, they're adventurous eaters, they're adventurous travelers, they're pretty even keel. They, you know, will try a class for a couple of weeks or try a music instrument for a couple of weeks and for a quarter. And like, um, there's like, we get a lot of quarters in our life. So we get to try a lot of things and why not? Um, And so I like that that has become like one of our family values. We've hit our over 30. Uh, thank you, Dan, for stepping in and being the, uh, the doctor verse uh, of, of our podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I like talking. I don't get a chance to talk about dad stuff with a lot of people. So thanks for the opportunity.